Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We will, as always, start with a story. The story I'll, I'll read for you is called Summertime at Granny's House. Now, my granny was an amazing woman and you'll get a taste of what she's like and what summertime was like in the Caribbean with my granny, Lynette. Do you remember the long days of your summer holiday with nothing to do but play? We were sent to granny's house to spend our summer holiday and we all rebelled at how granny lived in the country and she doesn't have a telly. We told our mother, we don't want to go. There was one bus that could take us to granny's house, a bus called Progress. The bus was strapped with sugarcane, breadfruits, yams, bags and baskets, and bananas that belonged to the hagglers. Because Jamaica had a hilly interior, the bus would drive through the valley to get to granny's house. And for us, that was a five hour trek. The engine would choke sluggishly in fourth gear through mountain roads, twisting and turning. Granny's house had four bedrooms. There was a kitchen and a bathroom outside, but if the weather was fine, we were expected to use the facilities outside. Granny's house didn't have a number in the district. They didn't have a post office either. They have a PA and that's a postal agency. I asked mama, how can we be sure that we have reached granny's house? She said, press the bell as soon as you see the jackfruit tree. Can you imagine three little girls on a bus looking for a jackfruit tree all night? We finally arrived at granny's house and she hugged and kissed us. She was so happy to see us. But in no time, Granny got down to business. Granny had three rules. Empty the chamber pots first, things, first thing in the mornings. Eat what you're given and do not touch her vanity set. I got up one morning and I realized Granny's kitchen was pitch black with smoke. You can't see properly in the kitchen and your eyes would water from the sting of the smoke that came from the wood fire. While I would squint when looking for ingredients, Granny knew where every seasoning was. There was a small window to the right of the kitchen and she had no electricity in there. There was a piece of chicken wire that hangs precariously over the wood fire. And you know what Granny called that? She called that her crank crank. That's what Granny used to smoke her own meats. It wasn't a surprise to see a pig's tail pressed against it whenever you look up. Granny had a large pot with three legs that was always bubbling away violently like a witch's cauldron. And each bubble would bring up the odd green banana or dumpling. The pot was made from cast iron. And after you have had dinner from it, your iron intake would never deplete. On Sundays, Granny puts on her Sunday best to get ready for church. As one of her rules was not to go into her bedroom, I would peep through the crack of her bedroom door. When Granny takes that bright pink powdered puff 
and doused herself with powder. You can't see anything in the room. And in that moment, I pictured Granny appearing on stars in their eyes, saying, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Mahalia Jackson or Aretha Franklin. When the time came to leave the country, I realized that the country had become my Garden of Eden. I was allowed to lounge guilt-free under the intense expanse of blue sky to dream and laugh and be. With no prospect of being disturbed to complete any urgent task, Granny's telly was there for all to see. There was so much beauty in the country. There were pine trees swaying in the gentle breeze, banana trees, cocoa and coffee beans, yams, potato and sugarcane. The crickets chirped in the darkness while the ants gathered food for the rain and the storms ahead. The rooster struts proudly around the kitchen coop and the hens scratch for the odd worm or two. And my cousins and I, we played from dawn until dusk. Our favorite game was to catch a firefly, or we call them Peeny Wally in the Caribbean, and placed it in a bottle and watch as it lights up the room with its gentle glow. My cousins pushed me around in a wheelbarrow. We used catapult to knock out birds and roast them. We picked mangoes, oranges, and guavas, and we only got back to the house for tea. My granny, Lynette Stanberry, she is the rock of Gibraltar. I call her Venus on a mountain. She is the government of her land. She was a woman imbued with a clear spirit and an intrepid will and a burning love to make the countryside her oasis of calm. She lived off the bounty of the land and concocted a mixture of herbs to make her own medicine from the plants within her grasp. In an article written by Children's First Magazine, it stated that children who are given the opportunity to have contact with nature through unstructured play have better physical health, increased creativity, reduced stress, and a greater awareness of the natural environment. Today, I can say I am part of that statistic simply because of my granny, Lynette Stanberry. Thank you. Oh wow, your uh, your 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 granny sounds um, sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Kayla. Before we before we start, um, a little note to anybody who is listening for the first time or anybody who has forgotten. My name is Stefano. I run Puck Creations and I am the regular host of this podcast. If the title Storytelling with Puck has not given it away, this podcast is all about stories like the wonderful story that you just heard. We will share stories, chat about stories and see how stories fit in with the business world too. Of course, we couldn't do any of that without our wonderful guests. So let's start by properly introducing tonight, Matthew. This is going to be Kayla Conley. <laughs> Kayla, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, wow. 
I always work with clients on this and now I feel like I'm struggling. So, <laughs> <laughs> You'll be great. Put it in a nutshell. I'm, I'm a woman from the, the West Indies. I've lived in the UK for over 22 years and I'm now a public speaking coach simply because the journey started in the Catholic Church in Jamaica. When I was 10 years old, I was asked by the priest to read in church. And that started a journey which I didn't know would take me this far in my life today. It started with Father Brian asking me to read in front of so many people every Sunday. There were times when I messed up really badly, times when I let him down. <laughs> and I had to learn and move beyond that. And what changed the journey for me, a younger priest took over who I had to read for every Sunday. And he helped me with, with my volume, my pausing, all the pronunciations that I, I just messed up or fluffed my words over, he got that right. He had that calm center. What was his name, that, that his, younger priest? His name was Devon, Devon Nash, still, still remember. And he would say to me, I'm at the back of the church, but I can't hear you. You need to extend your voice. So luckily he caught me at the right time and I started high school and the principal always called on me to do talks, deliver talks. He thought there was something there, which I couldn't see. I did it because you can't say no to the principal. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> That's true. You, just you just can't. In the end, I, I looked back and it was six years of training I got there. Wow six years of delivering vote of thanks, introducing teachers, guest speakers, and becoming the valedictorian for my graduating class. That, that did feel like a big gig, but when you're 16 or 17, you just do it and continue with your life, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's interesting, I think, when we look back um, sometimes that we, in the moments don't realize um all of the the different experience how different experiences are shaping us how yes. they are potentially an ingredient for what we're going to do when we're older i used the word ingredient yes. i think because i was inspired <laughs> by your first story <laughs> but yes. um but yeah you're right you're right there's definitely there, there and i mean it's very vivid for you the, the the idea of starting in church having to read and there's something um important about that actually I I, I um I, I'm not religious myself but I, I I was brought up as a religious um in a religious family and yeah. we used to go to church and I used to have to read aloud and it's yes. something which wasn't really taught as much in school but was very much taught in church so I I, I pictured that when you mentioned it I, yes. uh, and, uh, you can tell that you project your voice and uh, that you are able to reach the audience and it, it's uh, I did find it difficult be because I, I was pretty shy as a child and so overcoming that, did that come from uh, that come from the younger priest? It did help because you, I felt like I had to, metaphorically speaking, step into a bigger shoe that can really fit me. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I can I can understand that, and I think it's interesting. You had that experience when you were younger. Mm -hmm. So many people go through that experience now as adults too. Um, yeah. 
so many people often think, and I'm one of them, um, <laughs> I'm sure you are as well still with certain subject areas, oh, I, could, I couldn't possibly do this. Mm. Uh, I, I have no experience in this. How could I possibly go in that direction? Uh, yes. Does knowing that you were able to overcome shyness to be to then have you know that six years of training as as as, as you mentioned uh, you know informal training the school <laughs> school time training um does knowing that help sometimes when then you're challenged with something which isn't in your comfort zone that you know that you've overcome something like that before it does it does help i i believe when my clients work with me it's, it's the same process i use they don't come you don't come to me knowing, but I expect you to do without realizing that you're getting there because it becomes joyful. Yeah. Isn't it? it yeah. there, there's nothing attached to what you're doing. So when we're in the training room and I said, just, just tell me how you make your breakfast. <laughs> share, <laughs> yes. Share with me how you make your favorite sandwich. Yes. That's it. It shouldn't be hard. And so when I was... with, that, with those questions, um, mm-hmm. I think I can work it out in my head, but, you know, maybe for, for, for the listener and maybe I'm getting it completely wrong, what's the purpose of asking those questions? What are you trying to get your clients to do? It's tap into their creativity. Once, once you understand that this is something that's just there and you power yourself up with that, you can sell any sandwich. <laughs> you, you can share that. And it becomes a story, but it becomes who you are. So in essence, if, if, if they come away from your training and they've got used to the idea of explaining the small things almost in story form, yes. then everything starts to become explained in story form. Is that? Yes, everything becomes, because... All we do, if we give a 60 seconds pitch, it is a story. Yeah. You, you do a presentation, it is a story. It's, it's, it all depends on, as my mom would say when she used to ask me something quickly in the Caribbean and I have to think, she always go, Mina want a long story. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you have to explain and explain and explain. And that's it. You don't want any long story. But for Granny's house, how I've written it, if I needed to do it for 10 or 15 minutes, you can have add-ons. I could really bring the audience to Granny. Who is this woman? Who is Granny? So for the introduction, I wrote here, my Granny's name is Lynette Stanberry. She looked after many cousins and her niece and nieces and nephews, and everyone called her Aunt Net. So it's Lynette moving to Aunt Net. My mother called her Aunt Net, and I called her Aunt Net too. But all the locals called her Miss Nettie. <laughs> so you're, you're bringing it down. She, is, she was Lynette, she became Aunt Net, and the locals called her Miss Nettie. That's, a ter- that's more a term of endearment. It's, we love Miss, it's Miss Nettie, isn't it? It is. I, I, like, I love that. And I love the, I, I love that what you're doing there. People talk about, um, painting scenes or stories and and often what they're referring to is painting an actual picture of the place that you're in so potentially yes. um, you know either telling people or, or, or better sometimes showing people a room or an environment but mm. what I love is that I also think that you're painting a picture you're painting a scene and you're painting a scene 
um, of the whole town and also your family environment. And mm-hmm. um, but with, with just those few words, because all you're saying is this is how we described um, uh, yeah. our, our, our granny. This is how uh, the family described. Mm-hmm. But then this is how everyone else in the town described. And all, almost automatically, I'm picturing you in the house talking and explaining in that way. And then I'm picturing a whole um, town, a whole village of people and how they are. Uh, suddenly I've got this whole picture of this place in my mind. And you haven't mentioned one bit about the environment yet. You haven't mentioned one bit about the um, the house or the town and what it looks like, but I can picture it because of the yes. way you've explained the relationship with your granny. And I think that's, yeah. that's there's, there's, there's something special about being able to paint a scene without actually painting the scene, if that makes sense. That's interesting. See, you bring this out to me. <laughs> I, just talk, I just talk a lot of nonsense, that's all. <laughs> But you don't talk nonsense. And I, I um, listening to your story, there were other things I kept on um, wanting to, 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 to almost interject on, but then I wanted you to finish the story, so I didn't. <laughs> um, certain, um, certain areas um, towards the end, you talk about the idea of the contact with nature and the studies that have talked about contact with nature and how um, invigorating it can be for especially a child, but also coming into adulthood, both physical and mental health. Um, What I love about your story is that, again, you painted the idea in all of our heads of you being within that nature. And there were these moments interspersed throughout where you had the um, stars in their eyes smoke <laughs> coming up, <laughs> um, and you also um, you you also had kind of the smoky the smoky room when you were looking for ingredients as well, yeah. which is taking you kind of away from that nature a little bit, but still mm. in a very very kind of happy environment. But yeah. then you move on to the ideas of the pine nuts, the banana, the cocoa, the coffee. And we can, I, I feel like I'm there and I feel like I'm getting a taste of that nature. Mm. What inspires you to describe things that way? Does it just come from inside or does it come from some kind of, I guess, technical ability or understanding of how to write these? It's, it's not technical because after I've written this and a few other stories, I had to go and do a storytelling course. Okay. <laughs> because... I can work with clients on what they're not doing, but the technique behind it, that I had to go and study that. And my belief is if if you write from from your your root, write from here, without judgment, it will come. If we sit and we think, I can't do this, that's the first thing, or I can't, I can never say that. There's always a way you can say something. There's always a way you can put it to your audience so that they understand you you are on the same page with them. There's a way to do it, but the easiest way is to just be there. And that's what I did. I went back to the country to write this. Oh, really? No, in my head, in my mind. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes, in my mind, I went back there. And if if you can imagine, stretch your creativity that far, imagine that far, you literally smell what's going on around you. You can, you can get that immersed in it if you're writing it just from here. 
So with the with, with the idea of um, it coming from your heart, with the idea of um, you expressing yourself from a deep emotion, something that really resonated when you said that is we often speak about a moment in time. We often speak about the fact that a story doesn't have to be this big explosive story. And as you said, when you were asked to keep it short, um, <laughs> tell me what's going on, keep it short. We don't want the whole story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can still tell a story if you are just mentioning something that happened um, and kind of what, what went before and, and, and what the end result was. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think um, what you said then resonated with that is because it's all to do with a feeling when you have a memory in your head when you have a moment in time in your head it comes sometimes from you smell something and you smell your granny's food you smell um, the earth the earth you know right when you're talking to me now i see the tall banana trees amazing in front of her house many banana trees just and the coffee and the cocoa beans they're right there right there and I, my friend that I share many stories with in, in lockdown, I always talk about how my grandmother make, made her own chocolate tea. <laughs> I think now is a good time for you to tell all of our listeners how that, how that happens too, if you wouldn't mind. Well, when the cocoa, the, the cocoa pod is ripe, she would slash that, slash the cocoa pod. She would take the insides out. And she had this a little cemented, square it's almost like a box made from cement and she would call that her barbecue <laughs> and I, when, when when i went to the country and she said you put it on the barbecue i'm thinking of of course the american looking barbecue what they have in australia and many places around the world no not in granny's house <laughs> it's a little square thing made from cement and you put the the cocoa pods there put the pods there the sun would dry that out with time Mm -hmm. and once that once that's dry down she had a giant mortar (laughs) it's it's not the little pestle and mortar thing we have here it's big (laughs) it's almost (laughs) as tall as me with a massive stick in the middle you you, you need you need uh two hands or maybe four hands two people you do you do (laughs) yes and you'd put the dried cocoa pods there and beat them until they look buttery they look buttery. She would scoop that together, pat it and make a cake. And every time you need some chocolate tea, as she calls it, she would grate a little and she boils it until you see that the oil rise to the top and wow. you say, yes, you are there. And she sweetens it with her condensed milk, some nutmeg. We love to use nutmeg in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes she put a, some cinnamon stick in it, and oh my gosh, you sip that, and you'll never forget, Stefano. You'll never ever forget. <laughs> I, 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 at the moment, all I want to do now is be there um, <laughs> <laughs> and have the chocolate tea. I, 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 uh, I, I think all of our, our, our listeners will as well. I think they'll uh, <laughs> they'll be Granny's, Granny's kitchen and her way of cooking. It, it was it was such an, a no stress life isn't it yeah. it was that's what I saw from her a, a real life of living freely freely not not with 
I can't do this or I can't say that. She just lived. And my LinkedIn post where that I spoke about uh, something like bringing stories to life, mm -hmm. I found a stack of letters from her. And these these were written in, in 20, 2001. Okay, so oh, 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 quite a while, quite a while ago now, 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, yes. Um, and so those letters, were they thoughts that she had? Were they things that were on her mind? Were they just talking about life? What were they about? It, 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 was, it was talking about life. But what I liked about it, I could tell she was writing bits of Jamaican patwa in between. Oh, amazing. So she... She would say to me, oh, you know, this, this has happened, but don't tell anyone I say it because they will say I chat, chat too much. <laughs> and you see, she put chat, chat, chat. So it's, it's written there three times. Uh -huh. So granny knew the power of three. <laughs> she didn't go to school. <laughs> yes. And that's, when you look back at the letter, you, you see her, this woman with this presence, she's back there. I love what you say there. I love two, two things that really stand out for me. So firstly, quite often people learn the power of persuasion and the power of talking and expressing yourself to uh, convince somebody else to do something or just to entice them to read something or listen to something without any formal training at all. It's, it's, it's how we grow up. It's how we learn through life. It's life yeah. skills, I guess it you is. would say. Yeah. But the second thing you mentioned was about how you could see her as you were reading those letters. You could feel her. You could um, you almost be listening to her. Yeah. And the reason I think that's so important is we often talk to our clients about your, your tone of voice and how you are connecting with all of the actions you take yes. to your audience and, and what that means. And sometimes people, I think, have a misunderstanding that tone of voice is purely what we're doing now how we're speaking to each other what our tone of voice is at the moment but tone of voice comes through in everything it comes through in the pictures you draw it comes through in the writing in the letters that you write to people and that's why this is so important and it's uh, when we talk about branding we talk about consistency throughout all of your actions and you mention in there that you could immerse yourself I guess in the environment of your granny's home and you were there listening to her even though you were actually reading I think that that really connects well with the the idea of tone of voice do, do you think about that at all do you think about that? yes I, I I do I guess for, for for most people someone like yourself or or me it's when you work with a client to help them to understand that they have a tone and it's unique to them yeah isn't it that's it. Uh, yes, you you have worked with many different brands and companies, and you because of the work you do and you understand, you can see that tone. I can yes, it's, but it's it's helping our clients to realize that's unique to you. It's unique to your business, and that's that's the sweet spot. <laughs> I like that. I might steal that off you. I might. I might yeah. start. Uh, I might start saying it's the sweet spot. Well, it is. It is the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That's that's a really good way of explaining it. Um, because you're right. There is there is a sweet spot. There is a point where 
suddenly things start to connect and people start to see you and understand you and realize who you are yeah. as a it could be a personal brand but often as a company as well and how you are interacting and I think the sweet spot I like I like the idea of the sweet fantastic spot. fantastic <laughs> um so with all of this people might be wondering well you know who is Kayla what does she do um and how and, and how do you I guess get to get to explain to people how to communicate with others so you came and you had this it, 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 incredible training before you were even officially doing what you were doing yeah. um but tell me a little bit more and tell audience a little bit more um maybe about some of your speaking roles um okay the, uh women's institute for example yes your stories play a part there as well yes yes so i i was a, a member of of toastmasters for a long time and sorry to interrupt we should maybe explain to people what toastmasters is as well if that's okay so Toastmasters is an international body that helps people to show up and be confident speakers. But the, the minute I, I got there, I just immersed myself. It's almost like stories started to pop out of my head, stories that were hidden. And the first, the first one I ever wrote, <laughs> my, my icebreaker speech was one on learning to ride a bicycle. <laughs> and the, the beautiful thing about a story like that is it, it shows that we're, we're all vulnerable. We all have that thing that we don't want anyone to know about us. Yeah. And I remember sharing with them that, how can you tell someone you have an MBA, but you can't ride a bicycle? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And for me, that's what led me to learning to ride this bicycle. But to, to relate it, to others in the room to say, this is how I felt. That, that, that's a good exercise. So I found myself writing about lots of experiences. I wrote a speech about a hurricane, what it's like to really witness the fullness of a hurricane in Jamaica. And I, I called it the unwelcomed guest. This seems like a good time to remind you that you are listening to a very welcome guest, the renowned speaker, trainer, and wonderful human that is Kayla Conley on the Storytelling with Puck podcast. We'll be hearing a lot more about food, stories and Kayla herself. We will, as always, finish with a Puck Creations tale. But before we get to that, let's find out more about Kayla's unwelcome guest. I remember uh, describing how the thunder clapped because that's what we always say. My mom always say, you hear thunder clapping out there? <laughs> That's the word we use to describe the power. So we say, the thunder clapped, the lightning flashed, and the rain hissed against the louver windows. That's how I summarized what happened when it all started. And what did you feel throughout those occasions? How, how, what kind of emotions were you feeling as that was happening? The emotions, it's... It's never one of fear. It's always one of, of gratitude that the family's okay and we are okay. And I, again, I look forward to the dishes my mom would cook. <laughs> we, we make saltfish fritters. And you, you, I can smell it right now. The dried cod beaten with, um, she'd put that in, in flour with salt and pepper and that seasoning we call thyme. And you know, something is gonna be cooking on my mother's, in my mother's kitchen. There is that, and we have roast breadfruit. Oh, so nice. So when we have that warm weather, 
that's that's the things you look forward to those real comfort food nice stews that start from morning <laughs> until evening <laughs> it, the food plays a big part in 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 what we do but when i i share that experience i also share the the what it's like when life has stopped for a while and you have to rebuild your lives again yeah um that that can't be easy but i i, I like I like what you say about the idea of, you know, fear is not your first emotion there. It's not even, it's not, not, not even really an emotion that, that you, you sense most of the time. And, oh. and actually there's almost an excitement. You're looking forward to something else and there's a, yes. Um, sorry, go on. Excitement because of human nature. We used to get really scared when the, when there's a hurricane and my dad would look at us and go, you think this is a storm? It would be all manly about it. <laughs> saying to me, Ken Patwa, this is no storm. This are no storm. You should see Hurricane Charlie. I think it was 19 something, whatever. But he used to be like, nothing is bigger than Hurricane Charlie. When I was a young girl, I used to think, well, this might sound bad, but I want my own storm. <laughs> and it did come. Our own storm came in 1989. Everyone remembered Hurricane Gilbert. Everyone remembered. So that was your extreme moment. And, and in some ways it felt like, did it, I don't want to project actually my thoughts here, but it, 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 it did it, was it almost a, hey, I've now got my piece of the pie. I've got my story <laughs> to tell. I've got my story that I can talk about. Yes, but when you are young, you can't see how terrible this thing is. You, you, in your mind's eyes, you think it will pass for a week and that's it. And and I remember, this is when I remember how intuitive and brave my mother was. My sister had to get to an exam center and only an army vehicle could pass through those waters. Wow. And I remember we were thinking she had to get there. We don't know how the other students will get there. The island is all underwater. And she asked these men to take her daughter as far as they possibly could, so she could sit her exam. And did they? Did they? And they did. Everything, it, it, it just happened. You know, when you have that moment where you look back and you think, wow, that's, that's the strength my mother has. Yeah. She had that inner knowing that, as they always say, what, come hell or high water? <laughs> have you heard that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she will get to the exam center and she will do her exam. And that's a, a place in, in your life where you move beyond fear. You move beyond fear because if you really think of what might have happened or the other side, you'd never put your child in that situation. Of course, yeah. It, it's it, it, That's really interesting because as you say, I mean, the events surrounding hurricanes from a, from an object, um, an objective from an outsider looking in. Often, I have fear of what's going on, and I'm nowhere near the hurricane. I'm mm. seeing what's happening in. It, often, it is in in, in the Caribbean, um, but you know, it, it, I think sometimes the name changes uh, to typhoon and uh, and uh, tornado yes, cyclones, and yes, you have different. But names. you know, it, it, different parts of the world, and and it's yeah. it, it truly is a tragedy, and it, it's 
so many people lose their lives and so mm-hmm. many people lose their homes. And as you say, you have to rebuild again. Yeah. Um, which is why when you explain it the way you explain it, even I'm getting a different feeling about it um, because you're explaining how uh, you had a completely different sensation to potentially what your peers around you. I know you, you, you can't speak for everybody who was there at the time, but also to me, uh, not this particular hurricane, but whenever I see a hurricane from a distance, yes, and it's almost a privilege for me to be able to have the fear because I can be scared for you from the outside because in some ways I know that nothing is going to happen to me watching. Oh, um, that's, that's true. Yes. Yeah. And I don't have to overcome the fear to get on with life and to do something else. Whereas you mm. and your mum, it's like, well, we could be scared or yes. we could do. It becomes day to day until it becomes day to day. So you know that the, the waters will subside. And in that story, which I'll share with you another time, I spoke about how we share stories under the moonshine because we have no electricity. Huh. But while you have no electricity, and I, I spoke about that a famous Jamaican dish called dip and fall back. <laughs> tell, 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 tell our listeners, what is it? <laughs> well, in, in, in my talk, I said, you use the banana for a dipstick, you fall back and enjoy. <laughs> That's the long and short of dip and fall back. <laughs> yes. But when when we have the, the wet season, the hurricane season, you, you, you're you just on your guard. You have to keep your clothes clean at all times because they get damp sets in really quickly. It's just because of the nature of the weather system you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the basic thing about life is understanding it's day to day until you, you get going again. You, it's, it's, it's not a rush. You, you bide your time, as they say. And my mom would go and help neighbors wash mud off their walls. She was this you know, real stalwart, this woman who <laughs> she'll get things done. She'll go, don't stand there and look at me and think that today's the day you're not going to school and you won't be doing anything. <laughs> Miss so and so, and bring dinner up for so and so. And she was, that's my mother. And you understand that in hurricane, it's it's time to really give give what you can, do what you can. It's a, it it teaches you a lot. <laughs> I can tell, and I, to see this from the outside, um, and to hear you explain it, it gives me a warmth actually about humanity because we see so often when you're in your own world and you're watching things on the news and you don't spend enough time with people especially at the moment yes you see so much negativity you see things that people are constantly doing wrong how people aren't helping each other how people are um committing crimes or whatever it is that they're doing but the stories of joy the stories of hope the stories of help the stories of working your way out day by day, biding yes. your time, having the, and it is a virtue of, of, of patience. It is, it is. They're not told often enough. And the way you tell that, it genuinely, I, I'm sitting here just feeling warm right now, um, even though you're actually talking about what is quite a severe tragedy, but I'm feeling so warm because of the way that you have explained, as you mentioned earlier, the excitement of human nature. 
Yes, and if, if you witness it for yourself, it's it's it, as long as you're safe, it's not the worst thing because after the storms, I always say the sky looked like a giant squeegee has cleaned it. That fresh blue, the blue that comes back when you look at it, it looks unreal. It's it's so fresh. It's beautiful wow. after the storm, and I know it's the same for human for our lives. But when you witness that in nature, you can really bring it to your own life and realize that the, the new beginning, it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can see how much it means to you as well as you talk about it. It's, uh... Yes, it's, I, I share that with, with my, my teenager at times because as human beings, there are bumps in the road. We always see bumps and it's how long it takes you to get over it isn't it it is it is yes and that perspective that you then offer your teenager that's i think really important that sometimes they are bumps in the road mm-hmm. that we're overcoming but they feel like mountains but as yes. you say really they're bumps they're, they yeah. you you can get over them and you can come come back from them and i think that's um when you have that sense of perspective that you're offering that will that will help a lot to realize that you can overcome pretty much anything yes we 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 still i i i do believe we we still need wisdom wisdom from what i call our elders the, the yeah. old the older generation who just sums up life in one sentence and you get it yeah. <laughs> you remember those days i sound pretty old now <laughs> <laughs> that's it that that was the wisdom of all time you just see somebody like my granny my mom my aunts just older people they just say Stefana but why you don't do so and so and you think it never came across my mind but no she said it I get it just one sentence and it's enough it yes it it was succinct it it was enough and that always brings me back to my granny no, no fuss life. And I remember one day we, we were there with her and tea in the morning wasn't any fancy Yorkshire tea or PG tips or whatever tea bag. She just peeled the orange, let it sit in some hot water. Uh-huh. That's the flavor. She put a little sugar on it and that was our tea for the morning. That actually sounds really nice. I might go downstairs and do that. <laughs> That that was so so many times we might have we might not have the tea bag in our kitchen, but we think, oh, we have an orange, but use what's in the orange, isn't it? Yeah. Use what's in the orange. So my 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 grandma, my mom, a lot of women have grown up around, they had that that inner knowing. That one thing they tell me, and I think it just makes sense right now. So wisdom from from the elderly, in my view, is is wisdom that we all need, because it it's it's almost it lingers forever. It never leaves you. I completely agree with that. And actually, sometimes I think in some modern Western societies, we forget about how much elderly people have to offer because they have so much to offer. They do. And coming back to you know what what we've been doing for this whole podcast and what the idea of the podcast is all about. It's all about stories. But mm-hmm. if you really want to hear the greatest stories, go and speak to 
somebody who's in their 70s or their 80s and let them just tell you about their childhood let them tell you about their life and the things that have happened to them and throughout their stories you would also yeah get those nuggets of wisdom that you spoke about there, there is so much and my in in my granny's letters to me she she said in one of them it, it was only yesterday i remember running running down the hill from school with my lunch pan <laughs> and my sister and i we always say there must be a grandparent who was born in slavery but we came in and no one spoke about that she spoke of about the joys of being alive. Wow. She just got up and and I, I said to my mom, but look at the house that she lived in. It was much bigger than we thought. More was happening than we thought. She had land. She was making her own sugar. When I got to Granny's house, this is something I could put in the story another time. Granny had a mule. <laughs> outside at the back of the kitchen and the mule was blinkered and it was going around in a circle. And I called my mom and I said to her, why is there a hot space in the middle of the ground? And why is the mule going around in a circle? And she said, go and look and see what your grandmother is doing. Granny had a, a tiny turbine and she pushed the sugar cane right through it. The juice from the sugar cane ran to the bottom and my mom said, at the bottom, we make something called a kettle. The cane juice goes in and it, that's, the boiling starts. Granny was making her own sugar. She knew how to make her own sugar. And that, that sugar is, isn't processed. So my dad called it wet sugar. It's not molasses as yet, but it's still slurpy and syrupy. And you, you can see the grains are coming, but they're not fully there. And, and that's, Granny ran her, the entire household. <laughs> we had wet sugar. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a completely different world for many of us. <laughs> um, and I imagine even for you, in some ways, it's a different world yes. to see or to think, to think back to that as well, and to yes. how, how life is, it, it yes. is so different now. And it's interesting as well that you talk about the stories that you were always told were always the positive ones and some mm. of the, the the potential negative experiences that may have happened and that wasn't spoken about as much. It, the stories we can all tell, they belong somewhere. Yeah. I do believe the biggest mistake is putting a story where it doesn't belong. Explain, explain, explain what you mean by that more. I think I understand, but explain what you mean by that. It, it goes back to really meeting your audience where they're at. Mm -hmm. if, if, if we're talking about our ancestors or we want some background, if the purpose of, of the talk is about that, you can put lots of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. I could go back to the times and, and what you do with a story like that, it needs to be mixed because at no point life is one way. You have the hurricane and after that, after the storms, you have the calm, you have the beautiful blue skies after. So there's good and bad in everything. That's right. And that's what you bring your audience to, some form of redemption. It's, it can't just be one way. It never was. 
because when I looked back, I wrote here about my granny. She had a large four bed house with a cellar beneath it where she dries her bananas under dried banana leaves. Growing up, we were told that life in the country was hard. My mother had to carry water and they thought it was a tough life. I remember looking at the graves of my ancestors right at the bottom of Granny's house. My great-grandmother and great-grandfather were buried there. Aunt Ned's husband was called Tom, but everyone called him Uncle Tom. All of us children would play around the graves. We sing songs, we sit on the graves, and Aunt Ned would say to my last uncle, I want to be buried next to my parents and right next to Tom. But the, the beautiful thing, that house, it has so much history, more history than I can, I'll have to go and, and, and study. Because if they, were, if they were poor and life was tough, how? A four bedroom house in 1926? It's it's a good point, and so sometimes you wonder how how it all came about. And I think actually that comes back to the idea then of what we were talking about a second ago in terms of it's important not to lose some of those stories. It's important not to lose the the, the, the stories you've told us today. Yeah, now give us give the world a little bit more of a taste of that whole environment. Yes. And it's so important that we keep on passing on these stories and we keep on making sure that people hear these stories and read these stories yeah. so that we don't lose what went before and so that we can learn from the positives and the negatives of everything that went before and yeah. change the way that we are and the way that we act. And yeah. uh, so those stories that you tell, I think, are not only entertaining and warming and um make me hungry um but they are they are also really powerful and important thank you stefano but you you can always bring that to your your audience once you're you're relating from here you can still allow light and dark to mm -hmm. exist you can you can do that in a story but if you bring them down you have to bring them up that's the whole thing because it's it's, it's energizing the audience so that the engagement remains the same. And as humans, we are very emotional and we can't control a lot of our emotions, but with awareness, we can figure out how to switch that button. I remember I was asked to give a, a, a brief talk shortly after my father died and I was sharing with the audience that strong man who I lost, that man who I love so much and he meant the world to me. And I explained to them how I would see him shaking the tamarind tree because he would always say to me, let's go and pick some tamarind. And I'd see that strong man, he's a giant of a man. That's me, that little girl, just picking up the dry tamarind. But he's shaking the whole tree and it's coming down. <laughs> it's really coming down. But that sadness of the loss of this person. Yeah. And I, I could tell the emotions was tipping down. I could see them, they were following me. They, were, they knew where I was at. And I said to them, but you know the wonderful thing? After I pick up those tamarind, put them in a bag, I go home and make what I call tamarind ball. 
put the brown sugar in my palm and the tamarind from the pod and roll it together. And I lick my palms. <laughs> there is always joy. There is something, but that's it. Being understanding that the audience, they're walking with you right there and then. They haven't left you. They're there with you. So lift them up just as though you need to lift up yourself. I love that. And thank you for sharing, by the way, the, the story um, of, of, of when your, your, your father passed away. And uh, it's... It, it, it is. I find um, when, whenever, uh, sadly, I've been to a few funerals, um, and whenever I go, and as you say, there's uh, people are able to express the celebratory moments, the things yes. that actually made them happy, and so there's a clear sadness, as you say. Everybody's sad. Yes. What's happened? Yeah. Then we can laugh and we can joke and we can see see the the light, as you say, I guess, when there's, when there is all that darkness and mm-hmm. something when, uh, <laughs> on the morning of, um, my mum's funeral, when I was, uh, I was quite young at the time mm. and all of uh, our family had come over from Italy and from Ireland. And so we were all gathered in, uh, in, in, in my family home and yeah. we went out into the back garden and, we all were, you know, extremely sad, trying to be jolly, trying to have a laugh and a joke. And so um, I was a chubby child. Oh, I say child, I was 18. I was a chubby teenager. And uh, <laughs> I'm a chubby adult too. Um, and my, my, uh, my, my, my brother was, um, I, I've got two brothers and my brother was um, doing a kind of a trick, a game, almost a little gymnastic type thing. Yeah. Grab, um, you have to put your head underneath his legs and it'll grab your hands and flip you around um, so that you're supposed to land back on your feet. He did that that with uh, my siblings and um, a couple of other people in the family. And I was like, okay, give it a go. It didn't work out quite so well for me. Um, (laughs) I I pretty much went straight down and smacked my head off the patio in the back garden. One more problem to worry about on that day. Exactly, exactly. But the thing <laughs> is, as much as you know, it sounds it sounds like it could be horrible and a severe injury, that kind of stuff. It was actually the moment that lit up what was one of the most devastating days for all of us in in, yeah. in our lives. And those kind of, as you say, the light sometimes that you get when the tragedy happens, and if you can tell a story in that way. So, you know, I'm talking about my mum's funeral when I was 18. That's an incredibly sad moment, but it hopefully is. when most of the audience are listening, they're seeing that actually it was a very sad moment, but there was the light there and we were able to kind of work through it. And, and you know, that's not to say that that happens for everybody because for some people it, it's impossible to be able to do that. But over time, yes, those, those those stories become more palatable, I guess, and you're able to tell them and express yourself. And you 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 never know. I remember the the first client I I worked with. I shared the story of losing my dad, and I remember saying to him, "Why did you choose me to work with?" He said, "You have you have lost your father, and I've lost my my parents too." It's that connection. It's that connection. Yeah, I mean, he he did he did a fantastic job at the end of the training, but sometimes that's not what people look for they look for a common thread they look for some commonality somewhere and they think yeah he likes iced tea i like iced tea too you drink guinness 
yeah, see me next, see me next week. Let's let's have some Guinness. You know what? I think that is a perfect moment actually to maybe start to to wrap up the podcast because I think that line that you just said there is perfect yeah. about the idea that we connect through commonalities. It's not always about what someone can do for you and the benefits that a product offers. True. And that is why stories in business are so important. And that is why being able to speak and express a story in front of people is so important. And it's why you should hire Kayla to help you with it. So Kayla, (laughs) where can people find you if they are so inclined to do that? Find me on on LinkedIn. I hang out with with Stefano and lots of cool people on LinkedIn. So. <laughs> I've never been cool, cool but thank you very much. <laughs> Have a look at my post. So you can find me there, or you can find me on Facebook. And my website is www.kaylaconley.com. Thank you, Fantastic. Stefano. We'll put all of that onto um uh, onto the episode so that people can see it yeah. um, and as always we will uh, end as we started with yes. thank you everyone bye-bye thank you seldom do you see tales roaming free obscure they are in style renowned for their guile yield time is not passing else They are chanting, leprechauns are demanding, lions don't exist, innocuous they're seeming, never to be dreaming, gore returns, we're screaming, writing words that can't be missed. Inhale, slowly, it's time to take a break, thoughtless rhymes are no match for the crimes Hercule has on his plate, perhaps it's not lost, ugliness cured by kindness praise one another extracting creations hurts like no other this is not poetry it's a story it's rhythm you and your magic make this podcast happen you've just been listening to the storytelling with puck podcast we'll be back very soon so make sure you subscribe and catch up on any of the episodes you've missed